Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Canadian Story. Today, we are joined by Wade Patterson to talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, Wade. Thanks so much, gents. This is an honor. This is the first interview I've ever done about crypto. It's fun to be on the other side of the conversation. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, you have your own show that you do interviewing people about cryptocurrency. Now you're being interviewed. Uh, tell us a bit about your show. What got you into it? What got you into crypto? What uh, What makes Wade tick? Yeah, well, show me the crypto. So I guess to to start it, Back in 2016, I had no idea what what blockchain or cryptocurrency was. My background is journalism, and from about 2011 to 2014, I was working at a newspaper in Kelowna, and I remember seeing a couple headlines about Bitcoin and that type of thing. But it's not even something that read. It just seemed some like completely foreign. I had no idea what that entailed, what that meant even. And then in 2016, I was working for Remax, where I still work. They have their corporate head office for Western Canada here in Kelowna. And a coworker of mine, he knew that I liked writing and creating content. And he told me about this website called Steemit, which is an odd name. But that sounds really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not whoever was behind the branding and marketing. I kind of questioned the decision behind the name of it, but the concept was really interesting. So basically, what it was was it was like a blogging platform, kind of like Medium for those who are familiar with Medium, and then it also had almost like a Reddit type element where people could upvote the content that they liked the best. But what made it unique is that the content was being posted on the Steam blockchain. And that by getting upvotes from certain users who owned more of the Steam token than other users, you were actually rewarded with a type of cryptocurrency called Steam. And when this was first explained to me, it made zero sense. I thought it was a pyramid scheme. I'm like, buddy, I think I have to have a talk with you. Like you're getting into something sketchy. And he's like, no, 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 you should check it out. So the more I investigated it, it, you know, there. I guess classic pyramid scheme is you have to put some of your own capital or your own money into it at some point, whereas this, it's just your time and blogging. So I thought there's no harm in trying it out. And so I started an account and there was a couple of pieces I had on my computer, like short stories I had written that I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with. So I thought, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to publish these things that I'm sitting on. And these were things I had spent a lot of time on. So I was very proud. And I came in kind of cocky thinking, okay, I'm going to post this and like, I'm going to hit the trending I'm be page. Hit author. I'm going to be, I'm going to take off. Yeah. Yeah. Like start sending the steam my way right now. Cause I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to hit the front page of this website. And I posted it zero, like absolutely like 0.00. Like it made nothing. I think it had one upvote from some user that had no steam in there. So nothing. And then, so I was a little disgruntled, but I decided to post another one of my short stories again, zero. And then I posted another thing, zero, another thing, zero. And then I posted a haiku that was like three lines and it got like 10 cents. And I'm like, all right, I'm in the money. I've made something. (laughs) Haikus are my new thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But what the turning point was for me as I started, because I think so often in social media and just maybe with content in general, 
a lot of people want to talk, like they want to do the talking, they want to post, they want to put all this content out there. But I took a step back and I started listening and observing of like, okay, what is actually doing well on this platform? And there was a couple bloggers in particular that would consistently hit the trending page. And these people were being rewarded with this cryptocurrency, but it would show the value in US dollars. And each post was making like $800 US, like it was just mind blowing money. And so I observed, I observed, and one of the authors was this girl named Heidi who had a travel blog and she was posting great content. She was attractive, which probably didn't hurt her case either. And the fact like the photos, that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, that yeah. Helps. And, and I'm like, well, I don't have that going for me, but <laughs> I have a background in journalism. Therefore, I had an idea. I had this light bulb moment. And it was funny because I, I just knew it was going to work. Like as soon as I had the idea, I'm like, I feel like this is going to work. So Heidi at the bottom of all of her blog posts would post her social media links and that kind of thing. And so I noticed she had a Snapchat link and I have a Snapchat account. I never use, I have like three friends that we like send funny photos and stuff like that. Uh, but I added her as a Snapchat user and I sent her a video and I said, Hey, Heidi, I'm brand new to this platform. I'm a Canadian blogger, just trying to make it on steam it, but I love your content and I'd really love to interview you and do kind of a 20 questions interview series so that some of the other steam it users get to know you a little bit more behind the scenes from maybe a different perspective than what your content is. And about two hours later, I got a video message back from Heidi and she's like, Wade, I love it. I'm in, send me the questions. So I emailed her the questions. She replied that night, the next morning I posted the blog post and I made $500 us worth of steam at currency. And it was the number from one interviewing her, interviewing <laughs> her and posting it. And I'm like, holy like this. Okay, Wait, hold on. I have to interject with something mildly inappropriate. If you have <laughs> a successful post on the steam at platform, is it called dropping a steamer? <laughs> because it should be <laughs> it absolutely should be i feel like that idea back circa 2016 would have really helped the like onboarding and because people would have like jumped on board with that where were you zach back in that time like that yeah, we been... needed you then you should, you should have called yeah i would have had that queued up in a heartbeat exactly no no you would have been like i want nothing to do with this sketchy pyramid scheme sounding thing no, I love that though. But but that was the thing, right? So it hit the trending page. It was I was getting more and more followers, and so uh, my opinion is okay. Well, if it ain't broke, like let's continue this trend of interviewing. So from there, I I launched a whole series, and it was basically initially focusing on other popular Steemit users and doing this 20 question interview. And by the way, that was one of the higher earning ones. It fluctuated, but. Per, almost guaranteed I would earn at least like $10 per post. And for me, that was like, that's awesome. That's totally worth my time to do it. And I was getting to know the community a bit better, but it just kind of also tweaked this whole, like, how is this happening? Like it didn't seem possible and it still didn't seem possible until I converted that steam to Bitcoin to Canadian dollars. And I saw it show up in my account. Like that really had to happen because I would have just thought, okay, this is fictitious, like play money type thing. But right. once I saw those connections, I was intrigued. <laughs> and so, yeah, from, from there, I've been paying attention to the space 
so cryptocurrency has traditionally gone through what they call bull markets and bear markets. And in 20, late 2017, early 2018, there was a huge run up in price. Prices got ridiculously high and then there was a massive correction. And then for the past three years or four years, there's been a lot less interest in the space. And I paid attention, but I wasn't incredibly actively involved because steemit posts weren't really worth it now. Even though I had an audience, I'd make maybe 50 cents on an article. It's just the value was was pulled away from that platform. And then to go go back to the original question of how did show me the crypto or, or show really start, it was November of last year that my friend Ulf and I were the only ones in Kelowna who talk about cryptocurrencies. It seems like everyone else just tunes us out. My fiance, by the way, side note, actually gets to the point she hates when I talk about crypto or blockchain. She's very patient with me, but it's gotten to the point where if I'm going to tell her, like I'm really excited about something, she sets a timer on her phone and she's like, you have 30 seconds to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I rushed it in. So Ulf's not like that, thankfully. And so we thought, hey, maybe we could start a podcast learn a lot more because we're both very new to how all of this works. We're not technical people, but we're interested in it. We see people creating value. We see new opportunities. The best way to learn is by talking to other people about it. So you you have been following various different altcoins too. I I had a experience about a year ago where I was on the GME train, so the explosion of you know GameStop nice. and the, <laughs> the cultural phenomenon that that was. But you've been, I imagine, on on some of these altcoins. Tell us a bit about that experience. What's it like to find out about the alt altcoin? R- like ride that crazy roller coaster. To some people are, I mean, there was one I read about. I think this is Shibu Inu, but someone put 13,000 bucks in or something that's worth $5 billion. Right. So what? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So like I want, part of why I wanted to have you on here is because I know you were in Cardano early. You've Mm -hmm. been, you've been following these trends and you're like keeping up on them to the point of them having impact on your life. Uh, Some of the listeners know, for example, with Doge, I threw up some money in, you know, not very much money and it went up like 10 times and I sold it. Right. And it's like, so what is that like? Tell the listeners what that, that experience is like and, and how it's become kind of part of the culture of the crypto world. Yeah, yeah. Great question, David. So that is, you know, it's interesting. You get some people who are traders who are looking at charts, who are looking at all sorts of information. It, it's hard to explain how I was so confident in Cardano because like a lot of people call it, I don't know if I can curse on this show. Um, Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. They call it a shit coin, right? Like that's a popular term of anything that's not, you know, Bitcoin, (laughs) Bitcoin maximalists will say anything that's not like even (laughs) Ethereum, it's, it's a shit coin or whatever. Um, Steamer would definitely be a shit coin. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Steamer (laughs) is like the (laughs) shittiest of shit coins. I mean, literally on, and figuratively you know. <laughs> like they're just teeing themselves up i don't oh, know why they man. did that <laughs> exactly exactly no so but to that point that's why i was always open-minded to altcoins because an altcoin was my gateway drug to this space and what yeah. i understood from an early time was that not everyone's going to enter crypto and blockchain for the same reason i think a lot of people are going to do it for financial reasons, obviously, um, which is sad because usually by the time people are hearing about it, it's like around now, 
I, to any listener, I'd be nervous about entering the space right now, not long term. I think if you're going to hold very long term, we're still relatively early days, which is funny to say because Bitcoin's been around for over a decade or yeah, over a decade now. And and we're still early days. We really are. If you ask 100 random people on the street to name more than two different cryptocurrencies, I think you'd be lucky if you got five who could do it. And so for me, understanding that the early days of Bitcoin, a big part of the group who were attracted to the concept were were libertarians and people who had, you know, really kind of like anti-government perspectives and that kind of thing. And like nothing wrong with their intentions or anything along those lines, but their attitude and idea of what it should be, that's never going to be an attitude that resonates with everybody and onboards the masses. So along the way, you have different people coming in and trying to make it more palatable to to others who, you know, they don't want to avoid taxes or things like that. Like they're, they want to track these things. They want to make it, uh, they want to be as above board as possible and different things along those lines. So you've got all sorts of different groups. So getting back to this, what I watched in 2017, 2018 is this big run up. I saw a lot of people get in near the top in January, 2018. I held on as well to a, most of my portfolio, and then it went down significantly. Bitcoin did the best out of those coins, but most of the altcoins went down at least 85, 90%, which is, it sucks, you know? You have this amount- <laughs> yeah, you don't on... like looking at your bank account and being like, oh yeah. Exactly, it's depressing. <laughs> I needed there... to go up a thousand percent to get my money back. <laughs> exactly. There's an app that's called Blockfolio. It's now called FTX, but it's a common one where people track what cryptocurrencies that they have. And it was depressing. I was like re- refreshing that thing every couple hours and it would like drop like drop 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 and yeah it was it was stressful but what i realized is that and and then during the next few years is i had a pretty strong belief that things would come back around again i had just that experience at steamfest i met so many people who were working on this stuff, blockchain technology, that were way smarter. I was definitely not the smartest person in that room by any means. I was one of the least intelligent. And that was a good sign to like, okay, there's some things happening here. And so my gut feel was always, especially some of these projects I knew a little bit about that had roadmaps that seemed realistic. Cardano was talking about smart contracts, which is something Ethereum has, but the fact that they were going to try to introduce them with much less fees, which is a major problem that the Ethereum blockchain has, is gas fees make it almost unusable for most people. It's it's insane how much. What are gas fees? Yeah, good question. So gas fees are, my understanding, it's it's the cost to keep the the network secure that's paid to um, those who are securing the Ethereum blockchain, which is a proof of stake blockchain my understanding but basically it's the cost of using the network based on the ethereum protocol and the reason it's such a high cost is when activity goes up on the blockchain then the more demand there is for transactions therefore the cost is higher um and that's just the way it's built to keep it as secure as possible now there's alternative chains that have different and i don't understand the ins and outs but for whatever reason the way they're they're structured the fees are much less and there's also things called layer two solutions for ethereum which are basically aiming to reduce those transaction fees because when you start to think about 
every time you purchase an NFT or any time you trade or send, if I wanted to send you Ethereum, to do that right now, it's probably going to cost me like $50 based on the rates that things are going. And that's and for that's, any amount, essentially, yeah. right? So yeah, if you're, it wouldn't be very good for buying a coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would make zero sense. If you're sending $100,000, okay, maybe that's a drop in the bucket for you. But again, they, they kind of call it the whale chain in the sense of like the people with the big pockets or the lot of crypto or the ones doing more more experimenting on Ethereum. So going back to knowing that Cardano was trying to tackle this issue of fees and and they were going to be bringing smart contracts. They didn't have it at the time, but it was on their roadmap, which anyone could see on the website, and that they were trying to do all these other things. At $0.05 cents per Cardano, it seemed like a good deal considering that back in January 2018, it hit $1.30. And I, I was thinking, you know, there's this theory of the four-year Bitcoin cycle, which, and, and crypto cycle in general, which kind of revolves around something called the Bitcoin halving event. So again, this is getting into Wade uncharted territory, but essentially the reward that's given to Bitcoin miners is when it when Bitcoin was first introduced, it was 50 Bitcoin for solving one of these complicated transactions that David alluded to earlier. Four years after that, they had their first halvening event or having event, and that was reduced by half. So now the reward is less. It's 25 Bitcoins for solving every transaction. Then four years after that, that's reduced by half again. It's 12.5. And then this last year, I believe, was the, the latest. This happened in 2020, May 2020. It reduced to, I believe what it is now, 6.75 Bitcoin is the reward. And so... I think just kind of basic supply demand, the fact that miners are being rewarded with less, that that has a direct impact. And so we have seen historically every four years, there's been these bull runs where things accelerate, people hype in all the you know excitement around it, and then we have a correction and a crash, and then everyone writes off crypto and they're like, okay, this thing is just a, you know, a pyramid scheme or whatever you want to call it, beanie babies, um, and and they write it off, and then people are building <laughs> during those years, and they're creating these solutions and things that we don't previously have access to, and then once they catch fire again and they start, then you get an even bigger run up. And so we've seen that time and time again. So for me, in terms of the altcoins, it was kind of looking at what happened in 2017, 2018, what the prices were then, what they were sitting at in 2019 and early 2020, thinking there's an opportunity here, but also knowing a little bit about the projects and what they had on the roadmap, because some just went extinct, you know, like You'd invest in something and then the coin, they call it like a rug pull. It basically, you know, the people left the project and it's worthless. And that I've had my fair share of those as well. <laughs> you know what I realized, Zach, we forgot to ask about what his favorite thing about Canada was because we were just so excited to get right into it. <laughs> so um, I have three more questions, but uh, I'll save the I'll save the Canada one for last. So you're in, you're doing these interviews with these members of the community. You're yeah. you're getting in depth information, and you're having these experiences of these long, thoughtful conversations about a topic that you're really interested in, which is yeah. an awesome part of podcasting. Zach and I have talked about how much we love doing that. What have you got from that experience in terms of the personality of the kinds of people that are leading in this space, and like what have you learned about the people who make up this 
space. You know, it so often gets referred to as a market or a space, but you're in interacting with the people in it and getting to know them. So what has that taught you about the space and what, what have you enjoyed about it? Yeah, great question. I've enjoyed so much. I, I think the first thing it's taught me is that more and more as time goes on, I'm seeing more and more entry points into crypto, which is bringing more diversity and more people who get into it for different reasons, which is exciting because, you know, you can interview an artist this year, whereas like a few years ago, you couldn't really like you could maybe if that artist somehow had also a, a, a random hobby that had to do with blockchain. But now it's like the technology has allowed them to thrive in this ecosystem. And so seeing more and more different people engaging with blockchain tech and getting excited about crypto is super interesting. I think net, like most people are incredibly helpful, friendly, willing to explain, like basically before any interview, Alf and I say, you know, whatever, like next week we're interviewing somebody who is an expert on like Bitcoin law and legislation and regulations. And like, like just doing the research for that interview makes my head spin and, and the lack of understanding. But we go into these conversations saying like, hey, we're we're just trying to learn with the audience. We're trying to cater content for those who are brand new to the crypto space. So explain it to us as if like we've never heard this before and that type of thing. And we probably ask some silly questions, but my hope or my goal is that some of the audience members are thinking those same questions as well. And thankfully the people that we're interviewing in most cases are far more intelligent than Alf and I. And so they do a great job explaining that to the audience. So that's been one of my favorite things about it, but yeah, just in general that people are, are very friendly. They're wanting others to discover this technology because for a lot of people, it's given them life-changing wealth as well. And so they want, you know, others to be getting in on that. Um, yeah. Overall, that's what I've noticed. Do you find that they're more entrepreneurial, more, you know, cause you know, there's that whole, the, the, the you know, the, the, the early adopters and then the, you know, the mainstream and the late adopters and all that. Like, do you notice something about the, I don't know, personalities, that kind of stuff of the guests you're getting on? Yeah, I think that, hmm. I think that the guests, for the most part, it, it varies quite a bit, to be honest. Um, I'm just trying to think. So, like, some of the some of the biggest guests that we've got, one gentleman, for example, who I've just got huge respect for, his name's Cooper Turley, and he was in university in Colorado and he was studying like music management and he randomly came across blockchain technology and he got it pretty quickly understanding, you know, what I explained before about the whole royalty payments and everything along those lines and how this could directly not only benefit artists, but benefit their fans as well. And so for someone like him, he's incredibly entrepreneurial and just wants to jump in fully into all of these projects every day he tweets out something along the lines of like there's so much opportunity in web3 right now like please like join a dao which is a decentralized autonomous organization you know get into web3 buy an nft mint an nft like start experimenting with this stuff because he's had he's seeing on the front lines what's happening with 
with different artists and just in general with the technology and the companies that are starting to pay more attention to the space. And so he wants others to take advantage of that because it's one of those classic things of right now, crypto and blockchain is still complicated. It's a lot easier to understand some of these things than it was maybe three, four years ago, but it's still pretty, like I'll give you a great example. If you wanna buy an NFT on OpenSea, which is kind of like the, the marketplace, like the, or the eBay, I guess you'd say, of, of NFTs, to do so, you have to, or the most common way is that you have to download an extension, a Chrome extension that's called MetaMask. Right there alone, you've lost some people, <laughs> but if some people can yeah. do that, it's like, cool. Yeah. So then you start that up, and the first thing you have to do is you have to write down a seed phrase, which is basically your, your security password. It's a set of, I think it's 24 words, and you can never lose those words because if you ever lose those words and you don't have access to that account, your money is gone. Well, that's pretty scary, but also don't don't not only don't lose those words, don't ever let anyone see those words because if anyone has access to those words, they can take over your wallet and own it. This already is frightening people who are probably listening or watching this. And right there, there's too big, there's too much friction to, to get on board. And so I think over time, this will get easier. I don't think we're always going to have this process of having to write down a mysterious phrase and hide it somewhere and that kind of thing. That just doesn't make sense for onboarding the masses. But what I do believe is this, by the time it is easier to do that, and the process of, of you know, getting your wallet set up is just as easy as clicking a button. I think that the opportunity of, of experimenting in the space will not be the same as what it is now. There's always a better opportunity when you're early, when you're willing to experiment with some of these things. And so I know I'm, I'm, I'm ranging way off from what the original no, question no, was. No, no, I, but... I think that's really a good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, and, and I just think that, you know, for somebody who's interested in this, Sure, investing is a great way to kind of understand it, but I just think following some of the the people who are the the movers and shakers on crypto Twitter, they call it. It's basically just Twitter, but people who are constantly tweeting about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, you just learn so much and you see some of the things that are coming about in the space. So are there artists who are making... Um livings selling nfts on the blockchain oh yeah yeah and there's artists that have made beyond like livings and because they were so early and so i'll give you a couple examples um some of the earliest so blau i believe that's the pronunciation blau is a is a musician i think he's like a dj kind of um composer and he has put out music NFTs and he's getting really into music NFTs. And so these NFT drops would happen. There's one of the most popular sites early in this year was one called Nifty Gateway. And it's actually owned by or part owned by the Winklevoss twins, who, if you've ever seen uh, the social the network. social network, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. The, the Harvard I Rowan I love that they got a redemption arc. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. It's so fascinating how they... There's still the battle with Zuckerberg goes on. And now Zuckerberg's trying to get into the metaverse with meta and it's back and forth. But anyways, so these drops would happen on Nifty Gateway and different musicians, that was one of the platforms you could drop these NFTs on. They would do like, it would be something like a five minute 
opens out. So let's say each NFT is like $700 or like at the time, I don't know what that was, maybe 0.3 ETH or something like that. So for five minutes, people can mint these NFTs. And there was such a rush because NFTs were new. They were exciting. They wanted to support these artists, that type of thing. People would mint these, mint these, mint these. And it would, the amount of value, it would be like, in some cases, like millions of dollars would come out of that drop. And the artist gets a good chunk of that, much better than the you know seventeen percent royalty. And according to the traditional system, the you know Nifty Gateway takes their fair share. And then people constantly, a lot of people are doing it as a speculative move. So then they're trying to flip it, and then people would be mad that they missed that drop. So now they're trying to get in, and there's the speculation. And now artists are continuing to earn ten percent royalties on every single flip. Um, mm. I think that for more or I guess newer artists and that type of thing, there are certain apps and projects that are helping out that are, that are blockchain based. So there's one that's called Audius and I think, and I don't know the full details on Audius, but basically it's something along the lines of like new artists can, can post their music there. That's not NFT specifically, but I think they have some sort of deal for like every stream it's somehow generating value and then that's instant payments back to the artist. We also had the benefit of, of interviewing somebody named Sean Gardner, who is with a company called Moda Dow, but also Emanate. And Emanate's whole purpose was going back to those royalty payments of just instant through blockchain technology, instant value to the artist. So it was like as soon as somebody streams that song, then the money you is get just paid. transferred to their Ethereum wallet type thing. So I think that for for a general artist who just mints one thing, are they going to sell guaranteed on OpenSea or one of these platforms? Probably not. There's a lot of competition right now. It would still take work to market yourself and to still, but if you have an existing audience or you get discovered kind of in that platform, the upside is is pretty huge, especially right now. Now, I will add, I think the whole NFT sphere, it feels bubblish right now. Like it feels like values are just so high. I'm I'm concerned about the sustainability on how long. I think we're gonna have a pretty harsh NFT winter where a lot of these NFTs go to real low values for a while. But I'm so bullish on like the overall technology. I think over time, I think ticket stubs will be NFTs. I'll give you another example, which I think is one of the strongest ones for NFTs. You take a game like Fortnite, and mm-hmm. so many people mm-hmm. are playing this game, and they are purchasing skins or like costumes to wear in-game and to use. And and it's totally, it's going back to that digital flex idea and just wanting to you know, have that. For whatever reason, they're willing to pay real money to have this for their character it doesn't help them in the game and well, think about how much time they spend on that game that like status there is real status 100 percent, it is real status it's maybe different than physical world but it's digital status and so now the concept of an nft is okay i purchased the skin but if it if the skin is an nft i now own that which means then on a secondary marketplace, I can take that costume that I just bought, just like I would take a, a sweater or some physical thing that I own, and I can now sell that and I can get value from it. Or what's really mind-blowing and crazy is there's certain games that are talking about 
having almost a level of interoperability. So I can take my Fortnite skin and then I can go play Call of Duty and that transfers to a different skin in Call of Duty and they actually work between the different games and that type of thing. And so when you start to think in this world of like gaming, which is just such a big market and knowing already people are paying for this type of thing, will they want to pay for it if they can actually own it? I think a lot more people will be interested in that. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm excited about it. There's so many fascinating ideas. Um, I am especially interested in the idea of, uh, of, of artists and creators being able to have a direct line through NFTs to uh, the people who consume their products. It, it cuts mm-hmm. out the gatekeeper because, you know, you, you do like you do a million streams on Spotify. They like pat you on the back and buy you a coffee. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's insane. And really I'm, that yeah. many. Well, like realistically, I know someone who did a million streams almost a decade ago and he made about a thousand bucks, which wow. was less than the value he spent recording the song. So like it's, it's been a shit go for artists for a long time. And if there's value to be, um, cultivated out of the NFT world. Uh, that's an interesting thing to talk about for sure. Can, can I add something to that? Because I think there's a couple other factors here. I think one is that I'm stoked for the artists. I'm also stoked for the fans because what some of these artists are starting to do is give their early believers, their early investors, really, who are maybe you're purchasing an NFT because you love that band and you believe in, in their potential. I've seen some artists offer up royalties on albums maybe they drop a hundred of these nfts and they're like hey you will earn one percent or whatever amount it is in royalty payments forever based on this song if you own this nft and maybe the NF- yeah, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe the nft costs a lot of money up front but maybe if maybe you believe maybe in it, it like a thousand bucks right so yeah, maybe it costs a thousand dollars yeah but then all those people are going to be playing it talking about it and yeah and if that band ends up being the foo fighters then you're retiring on your early decision to support and so it's a really interesting opportunity to for the fans in that sense and the other thing is just the experiences as well i'll give you an example (laughs) this is uh, yeah i'll tell you about an nft i purchased which is like I've told very few people about this, but now I'm just putting it out there. So I like, do you guys know Gary Vaynerchuk? Do you follow him much? Yeah. No? Okay. So Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, short description of him. He's very opinionated. He's, he's a marketing genius in my mind. He's, He's somebody who's like, you know, he was early to invest in Facebook and Uber. He, um, He's, he's got really forward-thinking ideas about social media and how to derive value. And basically, his whole concept is give a lot of value and things will happen in return. You'll build up these loyal customers. And, and that's his whole thing. And I've been a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk for several years. And earlier this year, he announced that he was launching an NFT project. And I was super interested. But I was scared to death because he was talking big numbers. Like this was not a cheap NFT project. He, there was a couple different, so he he kept it all secretive. Basically, he would show little photos of him doing these doodles. And Gary, in his mind, he's a great artist. He's okay, <laughs> but nobody nobody would consider him. No like, one's going to pay huge amounts of money for this. <laughs> nobody's buying it, in my opinion. Very few, if not like none, 
people are buying it for that art, thinking like this is a great piece of art. Now, what that art might represent or might become, that's a different story. But at the time, the whole concept is that you're betting on on Gary and that kind of thing. So he called it V Friends. It was different animals. So you've got Patient Panda and you've got, uh, I don't know, there, there's so many different ones. Uh, there's one that's called You're Gonna Die Fly and it's literally like a dot that's like a little tiny fly and that's the whole NFT. Anyways, there's a bunch. But most of these were just kind of characters, but some had utility. So one was called Hangout Hawk. So what it means by utility is that if you own this NFT through the smart contract, through the what blockchain technology allows, there can be promises guaranteed to what that gives you as an owner. So for Hangout Hawk, you're entitled to three FaceTime sessions or Zoom calls with Gary and a bunch of other people. Well, people who are massive fans of Gary, that's pretty cool. Like to have Gary's time for an hour and be able to ask him questions or that type of thing. There was another one that was courtside something. I can't remember what the name of it was. You get to go to a Knicks game with Gary Vaynerchuk. Like that one obviously went for a lot of money. But the one that I bought, which which I didn't tell my fiance about at the time, that's for sure. And I was too scared. I don't even think I told Ulf. Um, Uh Uh-oh. it, it was called Gift Goat, and I was intrigued. So Gift Goat, there's 555 of these NFTs. So the total collection was 10,000 of all of friends. Gift Goat, there was 555. What Gift Goat entitled you to through the utility was six times per year for the next three years, you will get a physical gift in the mail. That's what it was. That was but it. I- But I know Gary, and Gary is a marketing genius, and I'm like, these are going to be some pretty baller gifts. I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty confident on, like, Gary's not going to, like, shortchange people. He's not going to send, like, a pen. Yeah. And and people might argue, they might have a tough time, like, well, he could save money by not sending something expensive. He is betting his reputation. If Gary lets VFriends fail... His reputation in blockchain, in NFTs, in his traditional marketing world, marketing world, he's throwing that out the window. So he is hugely incentivized to make sure that this works and make sure that he doesn't just meet expectations, but that he exceeds it. So this was not cheap. It was five ETH to purchase, and oh. I purchased it. Yeah. Oh five yeah. Five ETH. What is that? <laughs> what What would that be in Canadian dollars? Like or twenty five grand right now, right? Yeah, so at the time it was $4200 US per ETH. So, I was close to 30 grand Canadian. Wow. Yeah, like I don't own a house. I don't own <laughs> like my car is worth less than that. It's it's nonsensical and like some people are maybe rolling their eyes that kind of thing, but Again, it was one, I kind of understand this technology. I had my finger on the pulse a little bit on the, this was early NFT days. It was kind of May of this past year. And I just had that gut feeling. Um, today, the so the gifts haven't arrived yet. They arrived starting December. There's been a bunch of stuff. And one of the announcements he made afterward, again, going to the surprise and delight, is that not only will every gift be a physical gift, but also an NFT, which seeing some of the prices of NFTs and that kind of thing, that was a bonus I wasn't expecting. Another thing about this, 
every vFriend token gives you access to a conference Gary is putting on uh, called VCon. And that is the only way to attend that conference. It's to have one of these. One of these tokens. So again, it's this real life experience idea. Um, But right now, the floor price for a gift goat is, I believe, 28 ETH. So 28 now. (laughs) I haven't sold it. I haven't sold it, which again, people are probably thinking is pretty crazy. But this is nice. Nice. It's like. It is the wild west of the internet right now. It really is, is. my friend. It really is. (laughs) We are going to look back. We're going to look back at all of these times for different reasons. But 2021 NFT land, there's going to be stories. And and VFriends is one example. Board Ape Yacht Club is a more well-known one. I mentioned before there's some celebrities who have uh, NFTs as their profile photo. So Steph Curry, if you go... Right now, to his profile, he has a board ape uh, from Board Ape Yacht Club, which is a very popular NFT project. And the mint price of those, which happened this year, I think I could be wrong. I feel like it was zero point five ETH. Um, today, the floor pl- price of a board ape is sixty ETH, six zero. So um, that's that's that digital flex you were talking about. That is the zero and one. Rolex. That is, yeah. look at my Aston Martin, except it's my profile picture. Which, <laughs> exactly, 100%. But when you start thinking about it, it, it seems so crazy. But then you hear like announcements, like Twitter, for example, has announced that just like they have the little blue check mark to verify accounts, they will have verification for NFT profile photos. Well, that changes things. Now, my social status in the world, if I want to reach out to somebody who's maybe kind of out of reach, typically for Wade Patterson, who they've never heard of, but it's Wade Patterson with a bored ape with a check mark. Okay, maybe they pay a little bit more attention to who this person is. And and people will have their different reasons for that. But it's just, it's it's interesting. So I get really, like I could talk about this for days. I get really excited with, the utility side and what's possible. I think that there will be restaurants in the future where you have to own that restaurant's NFT to, to like, eat like, there. Yeah. Yeah. Really popular. What like New York's most popular restaurant? You've got it's like a membership club. You've got to own the NFT. I could see that happening. I think there's gonna be I think this plays out that way. I think sports tickets, like I said before, will have an NFT. There's things like proof of it, it's called proof of attendance protocol. So you attend something and you get this little it's, it's an NFT, but it's almost like a badge. I think those will matter for life events over time of like, hey, shit, like Wade was there in 2016. He was on Steemit. He has the little badge that's right, proved right. by blockchain technology. So it's really interesting when you start to think where things could go. But the caveat to that, do I think right now you should rush in with all of your money and buy one of these very expensive NFTs? Unless you do a lot of research and you understand that the project has a lot of potential. I'm very nervous about people who are choosing to invest right now in NFTs because it feels bubblish. But if prices crash, I think they will just like Cardano when it was five cents. That's when the buying time is. Yeah. That's my gut feel on it. Wow. man, That has been, this has been incredibly informative and very interesting. I really do believe that we are living the wild west of the internet and value is coming from places that are almost unimaginable. And there, I mean, it's the, the blockchain technology is great because it, it puts 
um, it puts security and rules on it, but at the same time, it also feels like there are no rules, <laughs> which is, it's, it's so crazy. But um, we, we glossed over a question that we were supposed to start yes. off with and we didn't get there. So uh, Wade, what is something that you love about our country, Canada? I, the thing I love the most, I've, I've had the fortune of being able to travel to, as I mentioned, my fiance is from the Middle East. She's from England. The thing I love most about Canada is when I go to some of those other countries and I mention I'm from Canada, we all know that there's that general, you know, people are, know that Canadians are friendly, but I can't express it enough of like the joy that lights up on people's face. Like they are pumped to talk to you because you're from Canada. I think that our country just has such a positive reputation on a global scale it's something every every episode our intro line we say we're a couple of friends from canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology we do that on purpose because even we see it in our guests face they get excited about it there's something about canada that's just a very special place i think there's a lot of special individuals who live here and i'm fortunate enough to live in Kelowna, british columbia it's it's such a beautiful place to live i've lived in alberta which is also a beautiful place they've every place has its just its nature it's its own benefit its own aesthetic it's an amazing country yeah i uh i flew into Kelowna once and uh on that descent we came through the clouds and i was like oh this is great this is, this is a great thing <laughs> it's not too bad. i had it yeah, said yeah. to me that it's as close to eden as you can get to the world yeah. so. <laughs> well, high praise yeah well man wade thank you so much for joining us um you maybe have already done it but just uh plug your podcast so that people know where to go find it Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to, to do that. So our show is called Show Me the Crypto, and it's on YouTube. If you just search Show Me the Crypto, we've had a lot of great episodes. I think here I'll, I'll give you a couple quick episodes based on what you're interested in. So if you want to learn more about NFTs and the potential there, Cooper Turley, I don't remember the episode number. It was something like February. I think we interviewed him in February. Brilliant guy. We interviewed Jeff Booth, Jeff Booth. Yeah, I believe it's Jeff Booth, author of The Price of Tomorrow. And he is a perfect person to listen to if you're interested in inflation and why Bitcoin is a good hedge against inflation. Fun interviews we've had. We interviewed... Uh, the mayor of Miami, Mayor Francis Suarez, who's trying to make Miami this tech hub and that type of thing. Um, just scroll through. Usually the headline or the title shows you what the episode's about. But I just really encourage people, you know, crypto is often one of those spaces you get into purely based on the money and you hear that there's potential to make money. That absolutely exists, 100%. But I think the greater opportunity and what's going to provide staying power is just really getting educated on the technology, the opportunities, and how you can get involved. Uh, for me, it was a podcast doing that about it. Now I'm deeper in the space. If you're an artist, maybe it's experimenting with minting an NFT who knows, but just learn more about the space because I really think that this is going to be kind of like the next internet. I, I've just seen so many examples of that. And again, if you're there early, you'll have the benefits. If you get there after everyone's already arrived, you'll be there, but maybe not with the same benefits. <laughs> who who knows uh, Who knows what this gift goat will be worth one day? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm going to get like an air fryer or something like that and that'll be the end of it. 
<laughs> Maybe Gary just takes the bag and leaves. I don't think he will. I think he's got too much on his reputation, but it's a fun yeah. experiment. No, I love it. All right, well, thanks for coming, Wade. We really appreciate you uh, coming on. And everyone, check him out at Show Me the Crypto. Thanks, guys. Really love being on the show. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The CAD Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is. 